You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. If you do, you can either open up your Bibles or just prepare to turn your faces to the screen to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. And as you turn there, just want to welcome everyone this morning. I know it looks like we have several guests as usual, and above all, we want you to know that we are really glad that you're here, and that our goal as a family here at Fellowship Paragold is that everyone who comes and visits with us would move from guests to family. And so we'll talk more at the end of our time together today about how you can do that, but just to go ahead and say it, is that primarily the way that you will come to to know what it means for us to follow Jesus together is not through this Sunday gathering, as great as it is, but it's through what we call missional communities, which are simply smaller groups of people who are a family of missionary servants sent to make disciples who make disciples. And so we want you to go ahead and just have that in your head, to be thinking about that, because Jesus has not called us simply to show up to events. He has called us to follow him in everyday life. And that's why we're going to preach this morning. That's why we have already worshipped this morning. It's because He is worthy of all of our life. And that's why we're in this series right now on the Ten Commandments, which we're calling Golden Honey. For many of us, when we hear talk of the Ten Commandments or the law of God, it makes us kind of cringe. It makes us feel like it's a a hammer here to, to beat us up. And what we want to see is that God's law is good. It's good for us as it reveals our sin and even more as it reveals the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Jared's already opened up this series with two weeks of going through the first and second commands. The first command, to have no other gods before me. The second command, to to shape no images in the name of the true God. So to not make a Jesus or a God in your own image, but to follow the true God in everyday life. And this morning we come to the third command. Command, And this is what we see in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. So, uh, hear the word of the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let's pray. Father, we ask you this morning to open the eyes of our heart that we might see wonderful things in your law. Father, we pray that this would not merely be an exchange between a a preacher and a congregation, but that your Spirit would mightily work to take the truth of your Word and to, to sink it deep into the hearts of everyone that is here. Father, we pray that today that our experience would be that we know the truth and the truth sets us free. We pray to God as Father, as Son, and Spirit, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever had a lie told about you? Anyone? Raise your hands. can be interactive here. That feels horrible, doesn't it? Whether it's a stupid lie about you that doesn't really matter, or whether it's a serious lie about you, it hurts. It hurts to have your name drug through the dirt. Now, someone's recently told me of a true crime show that I should check out. I'm sure some of you have already seen it. I've only seen like one episode. And so as I talk about it here, don't like be judging me or thinking, I can't wait till after the service so I can go tell him what happens. All right? It's called Making of a Murderer. And it's about this man who, this is all I know, so we're going to stick with this, 
who is accused of committing a great crime. A sexual assault upon a woman, a, a crime that really takes your name and drags it through the dirt. And although this man is innocent, he is convicted as guilty and is sent away to prison for 18 years. 18 years. Everyone looking at him and saying, that's who that guy is. That's his character. That's his identity. Not only in that 18 years do we see his name being marred, but it's not just his name that gets drug through the dirt, it's his family, right? Because we're never just isolated individuals, but a, a person's name and then a person's family's name. And then on top of that, not only is it bad for his name, bad for his family's name, but the man who actually committed the crime is still out and free and committing other crimes like that one because this man's name has been wrongly used, has been wrongly accused. Now just imagine if that was you. Just imagine how you feel the times that you've been lied about, the times that, that who you are has been misrepresented. And what I want us to consider this morning is this is exactly what the third command is about. It's about the name of God being falsely used and falsely accused. It's about the name of God being misrepresented as in such a way that everyone sees God as someone who He is not. It's about the name of God being falsely presented so that the family of God is seen as a people who they're not. It's about the name of God being falsely known so that all of the city of Paragold suffers. Because we have this image, like Jared talked about last week, of God in our heads that is not true, and therefore we see Him as someone who is not really good news for our lives. We see Him as a God who can't be trusted. We see Him as a God who really doesn't matter. But what the gospel does, as we'll, as we'll see through the third commandment, is it points us back to the reality of who God is. And as we know the reality of who God is, then we learn the reality of, of what God has done. And we begin to know the reality of who we are and what He has called us to do. But as long as the name of God is taken in vain, then all of these glorious truths become misrepresented and all of our lives become completely misaligned. And so what we're being called to do through this third command is to reclaim the name of God. To reclaim the name of Jesus for this city. And so how do we do that? Well, if we're going to reclaim the name, to not take it in vain, then we have got to understand a few things. The first thing, we have to understand the person of the name. Notice again here, it says, The Lord your God. The Lord your God. When we understand the person of the name, this doesn't mean just understanding a list of words. This doesn't just mean getting the titles right. Like, let's do a Bible study on the, the names of God so that we can quote all of these various titles that He holds. It doesn't even merely mean that we get the name of God right versus what God is called in other religions. But what we find in understanding the person of the name is that it is a revelation of who He is. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, Hey man, what's going on? Hey boss. How you doing? Hey, bro. 
What are these usually a good signs of if you continue to talk to this person? They don't know your name, do they? Right? They might kind of know you, but they don't really know you. But they're trying to give the impression that you have some sort of personal relationship. So when God reveals to us His name, He's not just telling us a title that He goes by. He's entering into a relationship with us. By His grace, He is saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. I don't want you to just come up and give me a pat on the back. Hey God, how's it going? I want you to know me. And the name that God reveals Himself to, as we see here in Exodus 27 and earlier in the book of Exodus, is this name of the Lord your God. Now, it doesn't come across here on the screen, but if you, look, if you do have a Bible, you could see this, is that the Lord is in all caps. Okay, so you'll have to probably look in your Bibles. You can pull this up later and check me if you want to. And as I read through the Old Testament, I used to not realize this, but you'll see sometimes the name of the Lord written in all caps, so capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and other times it's not in all caps. When it's written in all caps, it is bringing across to us the personal name of God. The name that, that some people call Yahweh. In some translations of the Bible, it's just translated Jehovah. And it's this, this same idea of the personal name of God. And it's taken from Exodus chapter 3. Ryan, I think you have that. Exodus chapter 3 says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses. So here's God answering this question. I am who I am. And that's why the, the word is translated, they just put it Lord in all caps. It's because when God gives his name, he doesn't give them a noun. He gives them a verb. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. I'm not this stagnant title. I'm this living relationship. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And in verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and I am to be remembered throughout all generations. We've got to feel the weight. This is the God, the I am, the one who not was created, but the one who always was, the one who always is, the one who always will be. He's not a God that men sat around and said, what, what should we call this God whom we've made up? He is the true, eternal, living God, the Creator the Redeemer, the Restorer. He is, I am. So His name is about the revelation of who He is. It's about the reputation of who He is. It's about representing a God of His power, of His presence, of His purposes. His name is about His reputation. Just like you might say, that person's got a good name around town. So again, it's more than a title, it's a character. But it's also about the identification of who His people are. Just as we today identify different people from different families by what? Their last names. So God's people above all were to be identified by the name of God. In Micah chapter 4, 5, we see this worked out. It says, For all the peoples walk each 
in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And when you hear the name Murray County Indians, it probably doesn't mean a lot to you. Yeah, it doesn't. Right, Randy? But it means a lot to me. And you know why? That's where I went to high school. Murray County, Georgia. The Murray County Indians. And it was a high school like many small towns, maybe like here in Greene County and Paragold, where sports meant a lot to the community. Where rivalries were strong and where being a Murray County Indian was special. Now, I wasn't great at sports, but sometimes I made some teams. And as much as it was about getting to play in a game, even more it was about wearing that Murray County green. <laughs> Being that Murray County Indian. Getting to represent our county. That name meant something, especially when we played our rivals who liked to make fun of us and call us plowboys. <laughs> that was our name of derision. So we even came up with a plowboy day. <laughs> So in our high school, when we played the, the hoity-toity neighbor to the other side of the river, right? we would all dress up at school and all wear our overalls. People would ride horses and tractors to school. I'm not kidding. Because we took pride in being who we are. We owned it. It was our name. We would fight for that name. We would play for that name. And even today, it, it, just thinking about it, it sends chills down my spine. And I can remember even before these games, to take it to a whole nother level, is we would always sing the national anthem. And for some reason, it was always special to me to look up and see that flag because I knew I had family members who had suffered and died for our country. The name meant something. USA, right? Not to sound corny. But a name that, that brings up pride in us. A name we gladly bear, a name we gladly wear, a name that people fight for, a name that people trust. Do you feel that? All of you have these names in your life, don't you? Names that evoke emotion. Names that evoke purpose. Names that just like if somebody crosses the line telling that your mama joke, right? That gets the blood flowing. What we're being called to see here in the Scripture is there should be no other name than the name of God like that in our lives that fills us with that sense of passion. That sense that this name is precious. That the character of God is not to be defamed, is not to be defiled. It's to be known. It's to be celebrated. It's to be preserved. It's to be promoted. It's more important than fighting over whether a Ford is better than a Chevy. It's the name of God. It's more than a title, but a person. If we are going to reclaim the name, then we must understand the weight of the person of the name. But also we must engage in the protection of the name. So this is where we see in Exodus 27 the call, Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now what this doesn't mean is just simply saying the wrong words. Right? I remember getting some of the worst whippings in my life. Bad ones in my family was if you took the Lord's name in vain. But it was really only if you said a few words wrong. So my mama is a sweet woman. But if I got mad and said, oh my God, 
then all of a sudden, a line had been crossed in our house. And I can still remember the day in my mama's house, I can remember it as clear as it was yesterday, standing in the little entrance to her kitchen, my brother, and you know how brothers are, he knew how to punch my buttons, make me mad. You know, we didn't have this sweet relationship like Grant and Jared. <laughs> but as I remember saying, G.D. you, Jess. And in my uncle's bedroom at my mama's house, he had a closet with a door. And my mama pulled that door open. And here were all of these belts. I thought that I'd entered into a medieval torture chamber. And you can just see her looking down, in, down on that door. Which instrument of execution am I going to use so that my son knows if he ever says that word again, he is going to still feel the pain. And I remember laying there wailing and weeping because I had said the wrong words. Now what I'm about to say to us is, it's not less than that. You don't need to talk like that. It's actually more than that. That when we're called here to not take the name of the Lord our God in vain, we're not talking about figuring out what are the right words and the wrong words to use. We're talking about the call to represent the character of God in this world so as in such a way that He is not defrauded and defamed of the weight of His glory. The word vanity means futility. The word vanity speaks of emptiness. To take the name of the Lord our God in vain is to empty God of His glory. It's to make that which is heavy, that which is weighty, light and trivial and little. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, you could see that specifically it was to, to speak false promises, to take oaths using God's name when you didn't really mean it, but you knew, hey, they'll trust me if I use God's name. It was to make false promises. It was to make false prophecies. But even more broadly, it was to claim God's name while emptying it of His weight. My dad is a man of integrity almost to a fault. I don't know if ever I can remember my dad telling a lie or getting even close to a lie. What I can remember is my dad being super annoyingly insistent on us keeping our word. Some of you may have had fathers like that. It was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. But I just remember, like, even with calling people back, if, I, if he overheard that I was going to call somebody back, he would always be like, did you call him back? Did you call him back? Even today, he'll call me. Did you call and tell your brother happy birthday? Did you call and tell your grandma happy birthday? Right? We've got we to keep our word. We've got to care for each other. We've got to love for each other. He is a, I, I mean, although I remember much stress, is a never late on a bill. I still remember him sitting there at the kitchen table with his glasses. We make fun of him rubbing his head like this because of the torture of it. Making sure everything was always accounted for. Making sure that the truth was always being presented. But you know what? My dad now has, unless something's changed, no credit. Because as such of a man of integrity as he is, he was too nice at one point. And so he had a co-worker who needed, wanted to buy a four-wheeler. And my, didn't have the money to do it. And my dad said, I'll go co-sign for you. And guess what happened? That man didn't pay his bills. 
And so whose name is on the line? My dad's name. And so a man who's never been even as much as laid on a bill. I remember my dad working two or three jobs and then cutting wood on the weekend so that nothing was ever left undone. But now, in the eyes of these people in some office somewhere, his name is worthless. And it just makes me want to scream, That's not my dad! This man took my dad's name in vain. And now has limited his life and the life of those around him. And as faithful as my dad may have been, as good as I might think he is in these areas, again, it's nothing compared to the greatness of God. But let me tell you, this is what each of us do as we take his name in vain. Is we take the name of God, which is good, which is faithful, which is right, which is perfect, and we present Him to the world as a God who is less than all of that. As a God who can't be trusted, as a God who can be treated as trivial, as a God who, much less my dad, could be entrusted with a bank's money. We present a God who no one's like, I don't can trust my life in that, His hands. How do we do this? We do this with our false promises. We make promises to people every day. And we may not make them in God's name, but what we're called to see as God's people, everything we do is in God's name. We bear His name. So when we lie, guess what? We take God's name in vain. When we try to find easy ways out of our marriages, as if that promise we made before God doesn't matter, we take His name in vain. When we commit to be members of this church and we don't take it seriously, it's not just about you breaking a commitment, it's taking God's name in vain. When we twist the words of Scripture, when we come upon a situation in our life and we say, well, my situation is unique, and so I'm going to say that God says it's okay. Guess what? You're speaking for God. You're taking His name in vain. When we avoid His name, So when we say, well, just to make sure I'm not taking it in vain, I'm just going to avoid it. You're taking it in vain. Because the avoidance of His name is the lack of amazement at His name. And that's what worshiping His name is all about. We treat the name of God like the name of Voldemort. Right? It's just a name to be avoided. It's a name more that we fear than a name that we treasure. When we trivialize His name. He's just another person in my life. Yeah, we're singing, praising Him, but I might can get a text message in right here. When we pray in His name over our meals, but we're just really trying to hurry to get this religious ritual of the South done so that we can eat. Right? Father, bless His food in Jesus' name. Amen. We take what is weighty and trivial. Just don't pray. You know you don't have to pray over every meal. But don't take God's name in vain. When we use His name. Politicians are the best at this, aren't they? Some politicians on one side will say to people who promote things like abortion, God bless you. That's taking God's name in vain. 
Politicians on the other side will act like they really love Jesus because they know they can get the votes of all the conservative people when they could care less about him. And then we do the same thing in our lives. As a preacher, what's my temptation? To preach this sermon so that my name is regarded well. Some of us lead MCs for the glory of our name at times. Some of us will not lead an MC because we want to protect our name. Some of us forget that we bear his name. Do you realize before you ever make a post on Facebook, you should say, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. I represent him right now. The comments we make to people that we think don't matter. The false professions. Maybe some of you in here, you said, yeah, I believe in Jesus just so I can get out of hell. But I don't care about him in my life. That's a life of breaking the third command. As those on the last day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many things? What? In your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because your whole life was a breaking of the third commandment. You did it in my name, but you had no relationship with me. So basically, the religious South lives in a continual breaking of the third commandment. As we note, Jesus' anger as he comes into the temple and he turns over the tables and he runs out the animals with whips, we notice why is he so enraged? It's because the name of God, his character, his worth is being treated as trivial. So some of you might never use the word GD, and I pray you don't, because it is taking God's name in vain. But we can be taking God's name more in vain than people who use that word every day. Because it's the people of God who have the greatest opportunity to misuse the name of God. So we must understand the person of the name to keep this command, the protection of the name. But lastly, the power of the name. So notice again, at the end, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh Uh-oh. Right? Understanding the power of the name means what is not but what could be. We could all just be right now destroyed by God and He would be just. You realize that? We are all, starting with me, third command breakers who stand guilty. Like Adam and Eve who in the garden took the name of God in vain because they doubted that his character could satisfy them and they looked to other things. Like Israel who failed to glorify his name. And in in verses like Isaiah 52.5, we don't have it. We see that the name of God, because of the way Israel lived, the name of God is profaned among the nations. Like we see it's true in all of our lives that we all fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We all fall short of, of showing who He really is in our lives into this world. And the wages of that is death. The Lord will not hold Him guiltless. 
But as we read throughout the Old Testament, we see this familiar refrain over and over again that gives us hope. A hope that's not rooted in us, but a hope that is rooted in the character, in the name of God, that God says, I will not quit on my purposes. I will not fail on my promises. Why? For my name's sake. I will show who I am in this world even if no one else wants to cooperate. And so why are we not all today under that judgment? It's because of a name that we call Jesus. It's because the name of God is not just a name of judgment, but a name of grace. A name that met the breaking of this command in Adam with grace, with promise, with provision. The name of God who met the breaking of this command in Israel with promises and with provision The name of a God who meets our breaking of this command with the promises and provision of the person of Jesus. The name of God became flesh. In John 8, 58, I believe we have this this text to bring up on the screen. As they're wondering, confused, and attacking Jesus over who He is, says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And he refused to use the name of God for his own purposes. He refused to defame the name, to defraud the name, to empty the name of God of its glory, even to the point of death, death on a cross, because he knew that the name of God, his character, his revelation, his reputation was good. And so on the cross, we see the name of God most clearly. We see his character in love. Love and in the resurrection we see the name of God in power. And then one day in his return we will see the name of God in public victory. As Philippians chapter 2 says these words to us. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That word Lord there is not an accident. He is Lord. He is the perfect representation of I am to the glory of God the Father. And so the gospel story tells us and calls each of you today, if you've not trusted in this name, to hear what Acts 4 and verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. If you can't see this, what is happening, it reminds me of what we call a kangaroo court. Some of you might not know what this is. So a kangaroo court is a court that is set up Ahead of time, it's a rigged court. A rigged court for the purpose of defrauding someone of justice, of defrauding their name. So just imagine, I saw this recently on a television show, of this man who was a man of character, but a man, because he was a man of character, was a man the, the evil and wicked politicians of the city wanted to see defamed, wanted to see his name emptied of the character, taken in vain. And so they held this trial. And they had all of these witnesses come forward who were lying about him. Lying about who he is. Lying about what he's done. And then, 
they had all of these people in the town, people who knew better, who should know better, come and testify against him, lying about him or keeping silent because they were afraid of the intimidation. And as you watch the show and you feel this, you're like, man, why won't somebody tell the truth about who this person is? He's condemned. He's guilty. That's us, right? We're the ones with the name of God on the line who are called to bear witness to Him, and yet we testify the opposite to the world, the way we live. But we praise God that that's not the end of the story because someone stands up in the crowd and takes the stand. Jesus goes to the stand and he tells the truth about who God is and it gets him killed and yet it brings forth the glory and the weight of God for all to see as he is risen and as he reigns. But the good news is is that on that stand, not only is the name of God protected, but every name in this congregation, in this place, this morning, is on the line. So as we're the ones put on the stand, as we're the one, the enemy, the flesh, Satan points and he says, this person, put your name in the blank, this name is guilty, this name is worthless, this name is nothing. It's that Jesus goes to the stand for you as well. And guess what he does? He, for lack of a better word, he vouches for you. He puts his name on the line for you even though he knows it will cost him his life. He puts his name on the line for you. And because he does today, everyone in here, regardless of your sin, your past, your present, that through faith in him, you can wear the name child of God. The I am becomes your father. Who you are becomes defined by who He is and what He's done. So now you are not guilty. Now you have been set free from the penalty of sin. Now you are empowered to face the power of sin. And one day we'll not have to deal with the presence of sin. And you've been called now into this purpose, just like Israel was, to see this name rightly represented in the world. Because this is the only power that can change lives. Our city is full of broken people who have a who have been given a bad name, whom God has been given a bad name to. They think they've got to get their act cleaned up before they can come to Him. They think they're too far gone. When the truth is, there's good news that the name of God is a name of grace and love for the broken. There's people in this city who are burnt out. As we often say, they think that following Jesus is primarily about rules to be kept. But we've got to take on the name of a God who says, no, it's about a joy to be found. People who are bored, they think that following Jesus, that the name of God is just about attending some Sunday events. We take on the name of a God who doesn't just change their Sundays, but can change their every day. There's people who are bitter because they went through hard times, they've struggled, they've, they've suffered, and they've thought 
They served a God who was distant, who didn't care. That's how His name's been represented to them. And we take them, the good news of the God who in Jesus has entered their suffering. And will never leave them nor forsake them. Can you imagine what it would be like if everyone in this room was committed to keeping this third command in our lives through the power of Jesus? How our homes would be different, our missional communities would be different, the people groups we're seeking to reach, our whole city. You know what the best way to defeat a superhero is? I've watched enough of these movies, Somebody, some of you will know better than me, is you don't got to be stronger than them. You don't have to have better technology than them. Guess what all you have to do? You got to ruin their name. Right? Just make Spider-Man look like he's really a villain. Or Batman. Or Superman. And guess what? None of the people in the city trust him. So Spider-Man shows up to save you, and people are calling the cops on him. What's up with that? And then the bad guy's sitting back like this. Now I can just go do whatever I want. This is why Satan, the world, and our flesh love for us to break this command. Because the people in our city, as God shows up, he's there to save them. They're running from him instead of running to him because they don't know who he really is. We've been given his name and entrusted to protect it, to promote it. Not by putting the spotlight on us, but on Jesus. So let's do that. Let's reclaim the name. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are more than a title, that you are a person. You are precious. We thank you that though we are, are unworthy, you've placed your name upon us. You've adopted us into your family and given us your name. And you let us bear it and wear it in this world. And so help us to do that well out of who we are in Jesus. And Father, I ask that if there's someone in here today who hasn't trusted in the name of Jesus, that you would help them to turn from their sin and turn to him. Help them to see that that you are a God who calls them out of their brokenness into life. You're a name they can trust if they can trust no other names. Holy Spirit, work as we finish this time in song. In Jesus' name, amen.